Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit From Hutchinson, Kansas. Well, I'm sitting here with a linguist. I had a no idea. <laughs> I, love I didn't that. know you were, but I didn't know that you were a wordsmith. <laughs> Call Jiggy right now. 267-22-Jiggy. Hey, Jiggy, what's happening, man? I want to be that uh, David Bowie song. Jiggy, play guitar. Jeff, it's a great name, man. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Presenting. I'm, I'm Mike Massey. I'm, uh, you know, you can catch me on Jiggy Jag TV and uh, see a few of my trick shots there. Thank you very much. Jiggy Jaguar. I never knew what freedom was until I saw you lose yours. Oh boy, oh boy, it is the world famous Cheeky Jaguar radio program. Coast to the more on TuneIn, iTunes, Radio Loyalty, and Stitcher. And of course, 50 plus AM FM stations across the United States and Canada, as Ross Long would say. Thanks for joining us today here on our big broadcast. Five minutes after the hour, we're going to get to a special Wednesday edition. We're also taping this edition for iHeartRadio. Donald Mazzella. And IQ Al-Rizzoli, but IQ's not here this week. We'll be talking to the great Richard Kurtz. He'll step in for the for the IQ man. IQ is off supposedly somewhere decleansing himself of Islam, which is always... <laughs> I, I always love getting those emails. Um, I will not be with you on this date in this date, as I will be decleansing myself of Islam. <laughs> I always read it in IQ's voice. I don't know why. It is the world-famous Jiggy Jaguar radio program, coast-to-coast and border-to-border, on TuneIn, iTunes, Radio Loyalty, and, of course, 50-plus AM FM stations in the Jiggy Jaguar radio network. Our telephone number, 267-22-JIGGY. And this first segment of our big broadcast is brought to you by trulybook.webly.com. Check out Trulybook. Dot Webly.com. They're doing some amazing things over there. They have a uh, fantastic, fantastic Truly Dual Saga. It is available at trulybookwebly.com. Truly a dual saga. I should quit while I'm ahead, but then I wouldn't be able to bring you the awesomeness that is in this book, says the author. Check it out today at trulybook.webly.com. That's T-R-U-L-Y-B-O-O-K dot W-E-E-B-L-Y dot com. And tell me what about it here. Transmedia Worldwide. Let's get into it. We've got Richard Kerr today on the telephone, great Donald Mazzella. And uh, we had some technical issues yesterday getting on the air, but we've got Everything worked out today, and uh, we are up and running. Rich, first of all, I know you and Don had a little powwow session before we went on the air today. What is the first topic at hand we want to discuss here? Unfortunately, we never got to the side. But Richard, <laughs> can I jump in? And, yes. Um, no, be, uh, only because I was called away on an emergency phone Ah, call. okay. Um, uh, but I, Rich, I think, can I, I think jump? really, Rich. Don, Don, we have to discuss this, this important thing first, and that's the difference between thick crust or thin crust pizza. Which do you prefer? <laughs> <laughs> Without a doubt, okay. thin crust. Without a doubt. Thin crust, okay. 
Okay, Don, jump in there. <laughs> well, I, uh, if IQ had been here, th there's a billboard that has that just appeared here in Bergen County, New Jersey, from a um, an Islamic group that that says that uh, says that Islam is about um, uh, women's equality, um, <laughs> peace, and one other which I can is that a uh, is that a rib? And, and, uh, <laughs> I was going to ask IQ. About that, and I'm sure it would have been 15 minutes about ranting about it, <laughs> um, because you know, you know his way. But yes. You brought up a, a, a very important uh, point, which uh, he and I agree upon. Uh, in our brief conversations, it's amazing how much we agree upon that uh, w um, America is under attack, both from um, uh, from the outside and from within. And it's something that, it's ironic that so many people that I talk to, and maybe I'm just talking to like-minded people, but that's not usually the case, <laughs> are, are coming around to the realization that that is, that is happening and that we are not uh, reacting strongly enough to these threats. And as uh, the Wall Street Journal re reported today and other uh, news, President Obama has the votes now to get his, uh, he doesn't call it a treaty, his agreement with uh, uh, Iran uh, of making it uh, proof, and uh, uh, which is an, an, another uh, brick in the wall. And I'm just wondering what uh, Rich wants to say about it. Well, uh, he is the ultimate intimidator as president. I have to wonder <laughs> exactly, exactly what he did to squeeze people and vote for this absolute idiocy, the very basics of any agreement, I don't care if it's an agreement to, you know, borrow a bicycle, <laughs> is that both parties must be capable of, character-wise, of upholding their side of the agreement. Yes. So the opposite side of this agreement is from people who say, we don't believe in your country, we don't believe in the way you do things, we want to annihilate you, uh, we think you don't belong on the face of the earth. Everybody there who doesn't believe the way we do should be killed. But other than that, yeah, let's go for the deal. You're going to give us $1.5 billion and get off our backs and let us monitor our own, our own nuclear development. Wow. Please, i got a bridge to sell somebody. <laughs> <laughs> That's my line. We used to say Brooklyn, but now there's a lot of other bridges. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, I, it, it, the, the the story goes about the man who sold the Brooklyn Bridge. It's a great book, but uh, but you know, most people don't understand that because half the country doesn't know where the Brooklyn Bridge is. <laughs> that's true. That, that's very true. Uh, this treaty and everything. Uh, 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 you know, it's amazing. Now uh, President Obama is going to go off in, uh, into bear country. Uh, and he's going to do a wilderness trek with uh, six uh, Secret Service people alongside of him. And I'm, I'm <laughs> sure a ca caravan of camera people, too. It's wow. truly amazing. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, you know, in order, in order to avoid arrest, I am just not going to comment on that. <laughs> um, yes. all, all I can say is, 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 is I really, really love grizzly bears. 
We've got Richard Kurtz with us today from Strategies PR and, of course, Donald Mazzella, SB Digest. And uh, Donald has a, a brand-new book coming out. We're going to try to – we're, we're going to do a special uh, edition with him at some point about the book. But uh, we are actually going to take our next segment. And since we've got Rich here, and Rich, Rich works in the uh, – Strategies PR world and the uh, book publishing world, and we'll, uh, we'll we'll talk a little bit to Don about this book. We're going to take a, a quick time out here. When we come back, we'll chat about the book, and then uh, Don and Rich, I know, have some other things they want to discuss, and uh, we're going to try to solve some problems in 60 minutes. <laughs> We've got more with both of these guys coming up here in our broadcast. Let's tell you about one of our fantastic new marketing partners at Transmedia Worldwide. An amazing, amazing new book. Order right now. The bp.site slash 63284. Type in swivelly taken at thebookpatch.com. That's right, thebookpatch.com. Check out Swiftly Taken. It is an amazing read. Check out thebp.site slash 63. Two eight four, and tell them you heard about it here, Transmedia Worldwide. Hi, I'm Lily Wicks. They call me the Britnotist. I'm a National Guild certified hypnotist. As a stage entertainer, I guide volunteers up on stage that want to experience hypnosis and have fun. My volunteers are the stars of the show, and under hypnosis, they will entertain the audience and each other. You haven't been entertained until you see your friends and colleagues under hypnosis. I travel all over the U.S. and Canada doing fascinating, highly entertaining, clean, comedic shows for fundraisers, high school proms, fairs and corporate events, or any special occasion. I have limited dates left available for 2015 and currently booking 2016. To book your dynamic show, go to my website, thebritnotist.com. That's thebritnotist.com. Or call me at 402-779-6434. Jiggy Jaguar. Neil Bortz with us today. He's got- if they put Fox News on, liberals will complain. Uh-huh. If they put CNN on, conservatives are going to complain. Jiggy Jaguar. We've got Tom Donahue with us today. I started to organize, uh, no, not like Obama. Jiggy Jaguar. Publisher of Talkers Magazine, Michael Harrison. And uh, it's a lot of fun, and, and it's very informative, and uh, it, it does a lot of things. One, it, it's www.jiggyjaguar.com. Great new Indiegogo campaign. Oh, yeah. We're doing a promotion to campaign to raise money to make a sci-fi comedy called Time Free Dentistry. Uh, that's right. IGG.me slash AT slash TFD movie slash X slash 606. The film, Time Free Dentistry, is a sci-fi comedy short film about a dentist who experiences a horrible first day at work. He quickly learns how a small dentist office may change the future of dentistry and unknowingly creates havoc on the office with the use of propriety technology. Time Free Dentistry has a device that will change the industry, if not the world. Check it out today at igg.me slash at slash tfd movie slash x slash 606, and tell them you heard about it here on Transmedia Worldwide. An amazing new marketing campaign with us today at Transmedia Worldwide. Be part of a world record at bit.ly slash b-p-o-w-o-r. 
Oh, yeah. This is an amazing piece of business. Billy Martin, author Arawana the Secret, is with us today. He's going to be doing an amazing crowdfunding campaign at bit.ly slash bpower. Oh, yeah. An amazing, amazing piece of business. Check it out today at bit.ly slash bpower. Be part of a world record. Over there with Billy Martin, author of Marijuana the Secret. How big is the largest living organism on Earth? Find out on today's Creation Moments Minute. In 1992, scientists discovered a fungus called the honey mushroom in the state of Washington and declared it to be the largest known living thing. It covers 1,500 acres. The only sign of the fungus were the golden mushrooms that popped up each fall. A decade ago, researchers discovered an even larger fungus of the same species beneath the Muller National Forest in eastern Oregon. This monster, estimated at 2,400 years old, is three and a half miles across and covers 2,200 acres. No one has even tried to estimate its weight. The huge dinosaurs and whales of today reflect the power and creativity of the creator. Likewise, this huge fungus that produces the honey mushroom reflects the creator's unlimited imagination as he formed all living things. For CreationMomentsMinute.com, I'm Darren Marlar. Welcome back to our big broadcast, coast to coast, border to border on TuneIn, iTunes, Radio Loyalty, and plus AM FM stations across the U.S. and Canada. We've got Richard Curse of Strategies PR with us today. He is sitting in for the fantastic IQ Hour Zoli. But uh, also Don Mazzella is with us today. And in this segment, we're going to talk to Don about his book. Rich knows a little bit about the PR world as far as books go and what it what it takes. He's also uh, one of the head people over there at the La Jolla Writers Conference. We'll talk a little bit about that here in a few moments. But let's tell you about one of our fantastic new market partners at Transmedia Worldwide. Sienna King is with us today. Las Vegas premier rising country rock crossover star is into the studio and out on the road. Check it out today at Indiegogo.com. Search Sienna King. Sienna is S-I-A-N-A King. Check it out today. She's doing some amazing things. We've had her on Music Monday in the past, and Sienna is going to be coming to a city near you. Check out Indiegogo.com. That's I-N-D-I-E-G-O-G-O.com. And tell them you heard about it here on Transmedia Worldwide. Now, Dawn, you've written an amazing book. Tell us a little bit about the book, and then, uh, then me and Rich will jump in here and quiz you about your work, my friend. It's called An American Family Sampler, the founding generation. Actually, it's the first of a trilogy. It covers two American families, one white, one black, from 1806 to the year 2000, which are the American centuries. And it started out to be a totally different book, but it's based on real characters who grew who grew up or, and started a mercantile em, empire right here in, uh, in New Jersey, uh, in the suburbs of Newark. And uh, it was great fun to write. Uh, the, the, the latter two books, uh, I'll just jump ahead for a second, uh, actually have uh, incidents that I covered, some of whom I couldn't write about until uh, now uh, for a variety of reasons. But the, uh, the American Sam... The first volume takes the family from 1806 to 1906, 
and uh, covers some interesting uh, characters. There's Theodore Roosevelt in it. They're real-life people, J.P. Morton. Uh, and, and it's based on, actually, uh, in 1965, I interviewed a woman who had been a servant in the house of, a, of the family in which it's based. And she was the last of her. Um, uh, it actually started when I covered uh, my notes from that interview uh, when I was cleaning out part of my cellar. And that started me on the book. And uh, uh, it was fun to write. Uh, people, some people have said it's good. Other people have naturally told me um, uh, I could have done better and, and probably can. Um, the interesting thing... Um, the, in the interesting thing is that uh, the, the latter two books are much better than the, uh, the first book in that, um, uh, as I wrote, I've, uh, I've never wrote fiction. Um, I've always been a reporter and editor. Um, but uh, I started to do this, and I really uh, got into it. And, uh, you know, I've taught communications and writing, and I've always said... The only way to improve your writing is to write. And in this case, that's certainly the case with me, because uh, the first book is good, the second book is better, and the third book is best. <laughs> but, and they're going to come out sequentially. I shouldn't say that. People maybe wait for the third one. If they don't buy the first one, my publisher won't, buy the, won't publish the next two. But... Uh, uh, it, it's been fun. Um, the, the research um, uh, really uncovered uh, a lot of different things uh, about American history. You, you may know I have all but a dissertation in American history from NYU for a PhD, and I always wish I had finished that dissertation. But life, uh, when life deals you lemons, make lemonade. And that, that's what the case with me. <laughs> But it, it's been fun. What now comes the hard part, and this is where Rich, you can uh, probably jump in, is the the most difficult thing for a writer today who's written a book is getting people to read it. Uh, the big, unless you've got a million dollar advance from some publishing company, uh, an author is pretty much on his or her own to get people to read it. Uh, I've got it on Goodreads. Um, I've got a blog. Uh, I'm doing all of the things that they said uh, needs to be done. I'm on your program. I'm, I'm on other programs uh, and uh, telling people about it. And I hope they'll buy the book. They can read chapters from it in the introduction, which uh, which still the uh, publisher, uh, donmazella.com. Uh, D-O-N-M-A-Z-Z-E-L-L-A.com. And the, um, uh, if they like what they read, uh, they'll um, maybe buy a book uh, and uh, encourage, me to, uh, encourage my publisher to uh, publish the other two. But, uh, Rich, I'll ask you the question. Uh, how does one go about publicizing a book? Well, let me give you the bad news first. <laughs> uh, um, you've been popping around the publishing industry for a few years. About seven years ago, uh, there were about 175,000 ISBNs issued in the U.S. That's that little number on the back of your book 
that differentiates it from all the other books. Uh, you could have the same title on ten books, but no two books will have that same ISBN number. Yep. Last year, that number hit over 1.75 million. Yes. From 175,000, which means between that and electronic books, you have a tenfold increase in people to be read. Uh, granted, a lot of those people are the $500 publish-it-yourself electronically folks with something that uh, the only person who's going to buy it is their mom, and she's going to return it later on that day. Uh, <laughs> and and, uh, and there's a lot of just plain terrible stuff out there. There's also a lot of just plain terrible stuff that becomes bestsellers. And the whole bestseller idea has changed terrifically from the uh, from the credibility going from the New York Times bestseller list to the Amazon bestseller list, which is more reflective of actual sales. Yep. Um, so there's so many things in your way. The only thing you can do is get your message out and get your person out and make that interesting, make it available, touch on things that are related to it, such as, you know, you, you've got an ideal subject matter, you know, comparative development of a black family and a white family over 200 years. Wow, what a story. Um, it has to be concise, it has to be exposed, it has to be made interesting, uh, as interesting as the book is, but you don't get the chance to talk about the whole book when you're on the air. So, you know, there, there are all the tricks to getting it out there, and uh, they are very different from what it takes to write a book. Um, yes, it can be done, <laughs> and yes, it's a continuing, continuing effort. Usually most of your New York Times authors or most of your big uh, best-selling authors have not quit their day job until after their fifth book became a hit. Um, and, and, that's, uh, and that's the good side of the news. Uh, if you're going to make a living just from writing, Boy, you're you're going to be a uh, a full-time writer and a full-time um, book PR person. Yes, you're absolutely right. You're you're absolutely right. Uh, and uh, um, uh, I have two full-time jobs. Uh, <laughs> you know, I run, run my uh, publishing company, and uh, I sit on the board of a medical marijuana dispensary in New Jersey, and, and uh, I'm, now I'm doing this, but I'm de bound and determined to at least get people to know about the book, but Rich, everything you said is absolutely correct, and that's what I tell people uh, uh, who ask me, that they say, oh, can I, uh, you know, the old saying, everybody has at least one book in them, but sitting down Not and writing it. They already, yeah. But, but, but once you write it, it's getting people to uh, um, to buy it is open, the toughest part. That's why I, I like being on this program. You know, we're reaching what 50 uh, stations. Yep. Yep. Uh, you know, it's it's a start. Uh, I, I'm on a couple of other things, and I always always plug the book, but. Um, it's going to be a, a, a haul. It's going to be a long haul, and uh, it always is. But I'm looking forward to it. But you know, um, but in the end, I've I've written it. It's in print. I actually 
My publisher is sending me copies as we speak, and 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 it's finished, and I've done it. Uh, I actually have another book already finished. You're gonna love this title, Rich. Frankie, if you get hurt, I'll kill you. <laughs> and by the way, the most important thing in selling a book is the title. Uh, you have to pick a title that really resonates. I don't know if an American Family uh, Sampler is the right title, but that's the one that we ended up with. But, f- but whenever I talk about the other book, people just laugh. But, uh, oh, i got to tell you, Frankie, if you get hurt, I'll, I'll kill you. Is that it? That's, yes. That's, that's got to be Frankie's mother talking, right? <laughs> yep. And, that's, yep. and Frankie's got to be growing up somewhere in, in, in New York or New Jersey and, and going out to play. And, you know... Don't poke your eye out. Don't get hurt. Don't get your shirt dirty. Well, I have to tell you, it's based on a real incident. I was covering this story. This kid is stuck in the tree. Um, the, the kid climbs the tree to, to see this accident. The mother yells up at him, Frankie, if you get hurt, I'll kill you. And sure enough, the kid falls. And that naturally... <laughs> She screams. Wow. You know, the kid falls in, in soft dirt and is okay. She goes from screaming and worried about him to, to whacking him, you know? <laughs> like every, you're not you dead. know, you're not in the dead, back, in the back of the head. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this that. is, uh, you know, this is, you know, ba- basic ethnic child raising in, in the East Coast. And, and you know, we've, we've all seen it. And it's, you know, you skinny and it's everything else. And it's just, you know, we can sit, we can spin tails about um, how similar different ethnic groups are with everything except the names of their food and the accents that they have when they yell at their kids. It's just hysterical how it is. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that throughout time, uh, people did not recognize their similarities. And that's one of them we're having now, uh, administration in particular, and the liberals in general love to build walls between people with the idea that, well, you can't maintain your culture if you share it. That's the dumbest, the dumbest and most dangerous collection of information I've ever come across. Of course you can. Of course you can. You know, uh, do you speak fluent Italian at home? Probably not. But, but that doesn't mean that over the years, as you've interacted positively from people of all different groups, it doesn't mean you've given up your heritage. You haven't given up your heritage because you speak American, um, and, and you don't have to. But you do if you want to communicate. Unfortunately, yeah. what we've done is created a two-language world, Spanish and, and uh, English. And that, to me, is one of the worst things that's ever happened in the last 50 years. Well, if I you're going to narrow it down to two, that's fine. I'd like you to walk into the DMV here in California. It's in 12 languages. And they all drive like they're in 12 different countries, too. It's just <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Boy, that, Rich, yeah, that's two profound statements you've made in, 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 in the last two minutes. No, Pro- you're absolutely right. A- Profound is always better than profane. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, We've got a great novel, The Proud and the Profane. 
We've got uh, Donald Mazzella with us today from SB Digest, and of course Richard Kurtz from Strategies PR and the La Jolla Writers Conference. Um, Don, a topic you wanted to get to yesterday that we we didn't get a chance to do is this uh, Mexico being angry with Arizona. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about this and, and get Rich's thoughts on this whole thing. Well, basically, it, it was a story, and I can't verify the, the truth of the story because it came to me from someone that uh, this town um, is, is um, um, angry because uh, as Arizona is deporting the, the, uh, the people, these uh, uh, illegal immigrants are, are um, nesting inside this town, and this town wants to do something about it. It's a Mexican town. And they feel very upset upset about it that we're deporting uh, these people who are not from Mexico but from other countries that have made their way through Mexico to reach the United States. Uh, and I thought it was a very uh, interesting uh, uh, article. Um, uh, Dan Perkins asked me to verify because he wanted to use it in one of his pieces. I haven't been able to verify it, but uh, but I did check with somebody um, who covers Mexico uh, for. Uh, a major wire service, and she told me that there are t- the towns along the Arizona border are very upset because uh, these immigrants that are deported are just dumped across the line into Mexico. They're bus ten miles in, um, and then literally dropped off with two bottles of water. Uh, so um, uh, apparently, it's a growing problem along the border. And, and you know, the, go ahead, Rich. Yeah, I have no doubt that that's taking place. And again, I'm a big one for stepping back from that issue and looking at similar issues. Probably the worst case of bigotry you will ever find is the black-on-black bigotry among various tribes in Africa, the various levels of tribal and and, uh, national bigotry in Southeast Asia. I mean, as a Caucasian, I have to be honest, I have real difficulty in immediately telling uh, a Chinese person from a Japanese person, from a Laotian person, from a Vietnamese person, you know, I've got a I've got to stop and I've got to look and I've got to listen to the inflection in the language and then I've got to take a stab in the dark as to what their, their ethnic background is. But these people all can tell the difference and they hate each other's guts. Uh, it's every place. It's like the Hatfields and the, and the McCoys. It's like the Irish and the Italians in Brooklyn in the 40s and 30s. It's every place where people refuse to accept the fact that other people get to exist. And it's absolutely ironic and obnoxious that the entire Hispanic population that is working its way up into the United States from various parts of South America and Central America are now having their inter-slash-national uh, uh, disagreement with the fact that, well, you know, I got these Guatemalan people here, and I got these people from Ecuador here, and I got these people from here, and, and they're not pure Mexicans, and why are we putting up with it? Well, hey, take another step back, folks. What's a pure Mexican? Uh, I believe it's a blend of Spanish and the various Mexican Indians and whoever else came over from Europe. And wait, let's go back to the Spaniards. What's a pure Spaniard? Hmm, I think that's a mixture of Portuguese, Basque, Spanish, Moroccan, and anybody else that managed to cross that piece of water. 
you know, people got to catch on to the idea that this whole melting pot concept started a long time before the U.S. started. And, and no, you still don't belong here, and you came over the border, so we're sending you back. Too bad. <laughs> Get along. Go home. Well, you, you know, that's interesting. My town, Palisades Park, is heavily Korean. Um, yep. Next door is Fort Lee, which is right uh, uh, the other side of the George Washington Bridge from New York. And that's right. heavily Japanese. And you know the Japanese and the Koreans hate each other. And it's very right. interesting. N neither patronizes the other store. And uh, 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 about two months ago, a restaurant opened uh, in Palisades Park, which was Japanese-Korean. And in two months it closed because neither the Koreans nor the Japanese would go. It's astounding. It is just astounding. You know, um, 45, 50 years ago, you couldn't get somebody who wasn't Jewish to talk about buying a bagel, at least not on the West Coast. Uh, now, um, every bagel place I find in Southern California is operated by a different ethnic group. Yes. Every any any ethnic group other than I have yet to find, from Breugers to Einsteins to any bagel chain I could come across, anyone that's operated by a Jewish family. Mm. <laughs> I just can't find one. <laughs> I can't find a pizza place. Well, I had one here. I can rarely find a pizza place that's operated by somebody who's Italian. And I think this is great. I think it's absolutely great. But I think people need to take note of this. And 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 you know just. Get on with it, folks. The main reason you came here is so that you didn't have to put up with this guff. Why are you enforcing it on others? You, you're absolutely uh, right. You, you, you're absolutely right. Um, it's, it, it, it's really fascinating. You know, growing up uh, as I am, I'm 72, you couldn't find a good Italian restaurant outside of a, uh, or a good pizza outside of an Italian-American enclave. Now it's a ubiquitous product, but uh, almost all of them are, are run by non-Italians. You're, well, you're absolutely you right know, there. If you go into, it, it, it's funny because if you go into Hoboken, you've heard of Hoboken, uh, New Jersey, and you go down the street and it's, it's, it's hysterical because it, there's Every place is playing Sinatra music. The park along the walkway along the river. It's called Frank Sinatra Way. Yeah, right. You walk into a Chinese laundry and they're playing Frank Sinatra music. It's it's not just the Italian restaurants. Uh, you, I, and it's just funny because they want to do that because this is Frank Sinatra's hometown and we're going to make everybody feel like it's you know the the whole George Washington slept here thing. And. You know, once you put money on the table, once you explain money is involved, all of a sudden everybody finds a way to get along. <laughs> uh, and, 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 you know, it's, it's the universal leveler. Uh, one of the things, as you, you want to talk about interactive bigotry, I picked up it, I have to verify. But it, it's two stats, really. One, that 40% of the slaves that were brought over from Africa were brought over to South America substantially to Brazil. And 25% of the slaves that were uh, of the black free people in society 
in the United States, way back when when slavery was on the borderline being being legal and illegal, right before the Civil War, 25% of black people in America owned black slaves. You are not going to hear this from the NAACP. This is not going to come out of Al Sharpmouth, and certainly not from Jesse Jackson, not from that other jackass in the White House. We're not going to hear that. We're, we're going to hear that the Christians were bad in the 1200s, therefore we should allow the Muslims to be bad here in, in the, you know, 1,200 yes. years later. Um, and that's, that's what you get. And that's where we come into what we talked about earlier, which is the use and abuse and restrictions on the First Amendment. And I have to commend anybody who sits down and writes anything, whether I agree with it or not, for exercising their First Amendment right. It's so critical. Uh, as, coming, as a newsman, you know that old saying, give, if I had a choice between a, a free society and a free press, I'd choose a free press because uh, it will give you a free society. Um, you, uh, that, that is a theory. <laughs> well, I, I happen to subscribe to it, so... Uh, well, I, but, I I agree with that. I, I do agree with it. Uh, but the practice of it is that many people in the press, on both sides, tend to be repressive of things they disagree with and stick things on the, on the 18th page below the fold as opposed to where they belong on the front page just because they disagree with it. And that's... I don't think that's healthy. No, it's not. And I... Um as a newsman, I, I totally agree with you and agree that's happening today. Um, I, my, I was taught the journalism of you, you get the facts as best you could and present them to the reader or the viewer and let the uh, viewer, let the reader or the viewer decide. But we, we don't have that today. You're, you're absolutely right on that. that. And uh, um, I, I've been banned from certain... Uh, journalistic groups because of my feeling about that. Um, so you're talking to the choir on that one. You're absolutely right. Um, it, it's uh, it's fascinating. But what's, what's, what's really fascinating, if I might digress on, uh, on that, not digress, but point to it, uh, I, I have interns working for me uh, from uh, uh, Misericordia University in Pennsylvania. And it's amazing, and I've had other classes. It's amazing these young people recognize that. And when I demand from them that they, they adhere to that principle, they, they're surprised and pleased. So I, I think there's hope for the Republic that the, this younger generation <clears throat> may see the fallacy of that and move forward. Well, but I sincerely fact, hope so. I, By the I, way, I if you want to, if you want to read a great book, it's uh, Ben Heck's autobiography, A Child of the Century, uh, of the Century, um, and which he talks about his days as a new, as a Chicago newspaper man. And uh, uh, unfortunately, uh, I think you and I will live to see the end of newspapers as we know them. Uh, it, it's a sad fact uh, of life that. Uh, we're, we're, we're simply, newspapers will, will probably be extinct by, uh, by the middle of this century, if not before. Uh, and that not if we get a, 
Not if we get a solar flare in between. Oh. We get one, <laughs> one good solar flare will knock out all the electronics, and then we're going to go back to the printed word. Well, which I always prefer, but uh, you're absolutely right on that point. Uh, you know, could I go back to another point you made? In my novel, <coughs> the uh, black family actually uh, starts with one of the manumitted s slaves of uh, George Washington, which is also about, uh, which is based on true, on, on a real character. And uh, you know, uh, this hallelujah about our family fathers had slaves. George Washington had slaves, and he uh, freed all of them. And Throughout the Revolutionary War, he had a slave uh, with him the entire time, and he offered to free him uh, when the war was over, and he said no. He stayed with Washington. Um, I, I don't know if people are aware of that. Uh, you know, Probably not. Uh, it's it's very, very interesting about them. Uh, we've had a, a, an interesting re relationship um, white America with, with uh, our black uh, people. And um, I, I, by the way, I spent three years working at Essence Magazine, which is the black woman's magazine, which was one of the most interesting experiences of my life. And, and the way I got along with everybody was calling everybody Paisan. And, <laughs> and, and the reason is because it was not Irish American Magazine. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I could tell you, when I went to work for the New York News as a callow young kid, um, the, the newsroom was uh, almost half Italian and half Irish with a sprinkling, a sprinkling of Jews. And I, the, the jokes that went around um, about that, uh, can I tell a tale, which is my, uh, my book, uh, my autobiography? Um, uh, my grandfather... Uh, had a twin, and his twin married, tw the, the two twins married twins, and my cousin had, a, my mother had a cousin who, God forbid, came home to tell her mother that he was married to someone of Polish extraction, and the mother went <laughs> ballistic um, and wouldn't come to the wedding, so we had, um, the audience is probably not familiar with what's called a football wedding. Um, and I remember as a hero, football wedding is when you, the night before, you made uh, 100 sandwiches. You put the ham sandwiches in one box, cardboard box. You put the uh, cheese sandwiches in another, the guttle in another. Then uh, during the wedding, you went around with the box. You said, who wanted a, a ham sandwich? And they raised their hand, and you throw, and you, you throw, you throw a throw. sandwich. You throw the sandwich. That's why it's called a football wedding. But, Which but is much, mother, much improved over a shotgun winning. <laughs> yes. That, that's very, very true. <laughs> but uh, uh, the ironic part of all of that is the mother never reconciled that the daughter married a Polish. Uh, and it's her point about uh, uh, putting up walls and not wanting to go. Not even with the grandchildren. But, and, that's but the other that's part... So sad. It is sad, but but th that's the way things were done. Now, now, uh, uh, in fact, uh, pure Italian Italian mar uh, marriages or Irish Irish marriages are are uh, I think uh, 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 slowly declining, uh, which may be good in the long run. Uh, 
but uh, and and certainly the intermarriage between uh, uh, blacks and whites is certainly uh, changing it, and between Hispanic and uh, Italians, etc. It's it's the the world is changing. Maybe it's for the good. Maybe it's not. I don't know. But but at least the fact that it is, and maybe it will homogenize America uh, two generations from now. Uh, what do you think, Rich? Well, you know, I go back. Um, I try to think back. I, I've been I've been married for forty some odd years, and I married into an Italian family. Inside that Italian family were people of different ethnic groups. My family was uh, European Jewish, and inside my family was a, a, you know, all sorts of ethnic groups. Um, I was just at a wedding um, for my uh, uh, my brother-in-law's wedding, and it was Italian family to Italian family, and inside there were piles of people of various ethnic groups. And, you know, this is a good thing. I, I didn't see anybody giving up their heritage for having associated or married or created children with someone else. Um, you don't have to do that. Uh, all you have to do is take the time to retain and explain your traditions. Anybody else who's afraid of that is, is just purely insecure, and insecure people are inherently dangerous, uh, and they're very easily led, and big surprise. No, uh, no. Uh, unfortunately, m many of us are insecure, um, mm -hmm. uh, and many of us stick to, to our heritage because we are insecure. You're absolutely right. Um, when, you, when you said I was thinking back uh, 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 my own childhood, as I've seen uh, uh, the generations change. You, you've got a very good point there. Question for well, you. you Did you raise your children Jewish or Catholic? They were, uh, they were Jawops. That's what they became. <laughs> and I raised them all to be either boys or girls. <laughs> so it worked out. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, they got to learn a lot of heritages, a lot of different factors. We have a uh, we have a Hanukkah bush in the house every year, and the biggest problem now about that whole thing is we have to go over to an artificial tree because everybody's allergic to a living tree. Uh, so you know these are, let these be the big issues. You went to NYU. Um, I went to a little uh, place up the river called Union College. I don't know if you heard hmm. of it. Yes. Um, it's, it's in, it's in Schenectady. It's been around since 1795. And when I was on that campus in the 70s, we all sat around and talked. We had this, this little war to complain about, so we all complained about it. But there was every ethnic group under the sun sitting around on the quad until late fall came and you would freeze to death on the quad. But um, sitting around talking about anything. And everybody talked, and everybody got together, and, and of course, right at that point in time, legal drinking age was still 18, so everybody went down and had a beer, and, you know, it was what it was. My son went to the school, next generation later. Less than 20 years later, he's on campus, and there's a Spanish club, and a black club, and a Jewish club, and a this club, and a that club, and nobody's talking. They got separated dorms, they got 
enclaves. What in the hell is that? That's, that's wrong. That's dumb. How do you share ideas? Um, and how do, you, how do you get to respect and know other people instead of fearing them and having ignorance? Because fear and ignorance is what bigotry is, is, is bred of. Yep. And, it, and the, the problem is, is that bigotry makes money. That is very. That is very true. You know, it's You know, the essence of news is conflict, and uh, if you create conflict, you create news, and you create opportunities to exploit. You're absolutely right. Um, boy. Yeah. Um, hey, yeah. You're... No, I was going to tell Jim. He, he's really good. <laughs> Right? There you go. The, uh, <laughs> yes. mantra of, of yes, we, unfortunately, we don't talk about the key issues of the day anymore. We talk about the uh, uh, the differences and not the issues uh, today. Uh, yeah, we never get to the issues because the issues can be solved, uh, and the issues make and and the and the problems make news. Um, yes. You know, we, oh, everybody's yes. got rights. I never hear rights and responsibilities used in the same sentence of a politician. You know, they're of all course not. their respective contingencies about their rights. Nobody says, hey, you know, you have a right to protest. You have a responsibility to do it without breaking windows and setting fires and turning police cars over and throwing bricks. That's not a protest. That's a riot. Yes. <laughs> the Harlem riots, the Newark riots, the Washington riots, the Baltimore riots, uh, and the Detroit riots, I totally agree with you. Uh, I have yeah. my cracked helmet to show you. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I got to tell you, uh, nobody reads history. You know, did, did n nobody remember the Whiskey Rebellion? Of course not. Most people don't read history. They, they get whatever history is, is spoon-fed them. In, in small amounts, with bias. Uh, the right, first thing you have correct. to have is order. The first thing you have to have is a sense of order. Uh, yes. And there's a, always a balance between freedom and order. And, and uh, you know, an angry, yelling, disorderly mob is not orderly. But if they're not no. breaking things and they're just yelling and screaming and waving signs, someone may hear them. Uh, but as soon as they start breaking windows and doing everything else, they're not, they're not protesting anymore. They're now making life dangerous for other people. And I'm sorry, I, I don't have any problem with them being cracked down on. That's the message that needs to be sent. You, you want to talk, talk. You want to riot, bang. Well, you know, um, Newark, uh, I covered the riots in 1967. And Newark was in decline then, but the, but the, uh, the decline really accelerated after after law and order broke down in Newark, New Jersey. Sure. Name me one city that that did not happen in. Look at Detroit. Look at Baltimore now. Uh, every one of these cities is going to be an economic nightmare and a safety nightmare subsequent to this to this allowed rioting. You think things are going to get better in Missouri? No. Yeah. It's no. Mess. It's a mess. Well, just look at uh, New York City. Uh, 
the quality of life improved under Bloomberg and Giuliani. And then uh, we had Mayor DiBiase come in, who's not really Italian, he just took his, and he came in and said, well, we're not, we're not gonna, uh, we're gonna allow the squeegee people and the homeless to go on the streets. And right. within a year, we, we had problems. And if the mayor finally, this, this Monday, recognize oh we got a problem we have to uh, get the homeless people and and these other uh panhandlers and things uh, i went into new york for a meeting today and uh, on fifth avenue on sixth uh, avenue and uh, 48th street there were five beggars in, in a one block area well they, they're, they're heading up down that this is good <laughs> they're heading uptown. <laughs> yeah, they're, going, they're, they're moving on up. They're going where the money is. That's right. Yeah, I mean, there's no sense begging among the poor. Uh, it, it's sad. I mean, the last time I walked around that city and I felt comfortable walking in the city, Giuliani was mayor. And and after that, uh, you know, I, I got very, very low marks for Bloomberg. And, and this guy, DeBasio... Uh, Wow, he's just, you know, how far can we slide it down? Uh, it's no longer a crime to uh, urinate or defecate on the sidewalk? I mean, please. You know? <laughs> this is going to make life better? Uh, well, he thinks it will. Well, you know, then they should do that right over at Gracie Mansion. He should hold a picnic there. They should all be living on his lawn. I mean, if this is how you feel, if, if this is how, uh, how our, our esteemed president feels, open that gate, let them all camp on the lawn. You know, see how you feel when. That'll uh, never they're, happen. They're, they're next to you. Uh, it's, you know, and, and, and I hadn't it, thought it of that. When I'm going to write to the New York Post and quote you on that. Uh, uh, you know, because... Uh, uh, Mayor uh, Giuliani, uh, uh, this guy has taken up residence in front of Giuliani's uh, uh, apartment building, and, and he's uh, been defecating there regularly uh, for the last uh, two months. <laughs> I guess he... <clears throat> and uh, finally, uh, the Post went, New York Post went out and photographed him, and that, that's when the, uh, the mayor uh, thought maybe it's time to, to change his tune. Which yeah. shows you sometimes uh, the power of the press. Well, uh, you know, the press is very powerful. But my problem is, is that m much of it is irresponsible. Um, and that's nothing new, but it used to be a minority. Uh, my, my most graphic example is when I was a kid, uh, some woman came running out of her house that was on fire, and she was naked. And it's horrible that she had to do that. Um, it was even more horrible that the press decided it was an important thing to take her picture. I mean, really? That's responsible journalism? That's news? That's newsworthy? You know, that's right up there with the breakup of, uh, of, of, of two Hollywood starlets. You know, why do we need to know that? <laughs> well, you know, uh, the Japanese press about 10 years ago, stood outside and watched a man commit suicide. Uh, he had been uh, fa uh, he, uh, 
he, he had been fired from his uh, company and, he, and right. he was committing suicide. And they all photographed him, but no one stopped him. And that, that was, uh, that, was, that was the saddest, one of the sad things. They all stood there and watched him commit suicide. Well, they stopped him in his biggest story. What is the joke? The, the guy calls, uh, calls his lawyer up and said, uh, I just opened this container of milk and there's a dead mouse in it. And the attorney turns around and says, well, hurry up and drink it so we can have a lawsuit. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't heard that one. That's, that's good. Well, let's not get on lawyers. They're, uh, well... <laughs> yeah, but, but anyway. That's great. Well, we've we've come to the end of our uh, of our program here, uh, Rich. Before we let you go, how do we uh, get a hold of you online, my friend? I have to highly suggest anybody who wants to get through to us go to the La Jolla Writers Conference dot com, all about the art, craft, and business of writing. Um, or they can reach me at Richard at StrategiesPR dot com, and we'll talk about any aspect of their approach to the First Amendment that they want to do. And and Don, how do we get a hold of you, sir? DonMazzella.com and SmallBusinessDigestMag.com uh, Our newest edition uh, came out today, uh, uh, written primarily by the students at uh, 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 Misericordia University. I, uh, and I def uh, defy anyone to figure out which one were done by the students and which one was done by the staff writers. <laughs> uh, it was really a, a, a great experience. Uh, so, uh, what else can I say? Well, uh, gentlemen, I appreciate I you being... This. Yes, this, th this was definitely a fun one. We'll have to do this again uh, sometime. Rich, I know that we'll talk to you on Friday for the, uh, for the big Friday show. And Dawn, I will talk to you next week. But I know that tomorrow we're going to do a special taping for iHeartRadio about your book. So uh, I will talk to you guys soon. Have yourself a uh, wonderful day. Thanks for being with us today. Rich, real You're pleasure welcome. meeting you. Same here, Dawn. I look forward to talking to you soon. Appreciate it, guys. I want to do that soon, Rich. All right. We'll talk soon. Thanks, guys. Donald Bazella and, of course, Rich from Strategies PR. That's that. We've got more coming up. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.